we're finishing off the series today, uh, Life is Liturgy, and uh, the hope is to fix our attention on God. That's what we've been talking about this summer, not on the technology, of course. Um, let's hop into 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 6. Here are these words of Paul writing to the church in Corinth that says, uh, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Then Paul gets really wordy. See if you can follow this. Verse 10 says, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. If you have your Bible or your phone out, you could either circle or highlight that last phrase. We have the mind of Christ. So Paul's talking about you know, knowledge, he's talking about wisdom, there's a lot going on in this passage. He kind of brings up two different types of people, the spiritual man and the natural man. If you're reading it in the Greek, it would say the pneumaticos and the psuchikos, pneumaticos and psuchikos. One is a spiritual man, one is a natural man. And he's talking about this idea of discernment that comes from God's spirit in our life. That discernment allows us to live in this world. Discernment, the ability to distinguish between and recognize the moral implications of different situations in the course of action. Uh, for the spiritual discernment, it's something that's different than judgmentalism. That's not what we're talking about here. Discernment isn't necessarily judgmentalism, but what Paul is talking about is what uh, defined as spiritual discernment by John Piper. He says this about spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment is the ability of the soul to perceive God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, gospel-fashioned, people-helping ways to live with the knowledge God gives us. Let me read that one more time. Spiritual discernment, as Paul's talking about here, is the ability, to, the ability of the soul to perceive God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, gospel-fashioned, people-helping ways to live with the knowledge that God gives us. 
So discernment is learning to think God's thoughts after him, practically and spiritually. And, and here's something that I think is so important with discernment. As Craig Groeschel says, your life is often, often moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What's going, up, uh, going on in our mind? Our life is all, all often moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And Paul here is saying there's this idea of spiritual discernment that allows us to live in this world uh, and, and to be the people of God in the midst of anything that we're going through. And I think with what is happening in our world today, with all of the uncertainty, with all of the craziness, with all of the outrage, discernment is one of the most important things for God's people. This idea of spiritual discernment is such an important discipline to, to know uh, the things of God, to allow us to not only live well in this world, but to be life-giving to other people who are suffering, people who are dying. In a world of just great confusion, God's people must be spiritually discerning. And we, uh, spiritual discernment comes for us by having the mind of Christ, as Paul says here. Having the mind of Christ. All of this liturgy forms us to be God's people. Discipleship is becoming like Jesus. And today this idea of spiritual discernment comes from having the mind of of Christ. I want to give uh, kind of four different characteristics of what it means to have the mind of Christ. And each of these characteristics, there's kind of like a liturgy or scripture that I want to read through it that helps explain it. But I don't want to just read through these scriptures. I want this to be something that we reflect on and pray through when it comes to having the mind of Christ, when it comes to being spiritually discerning people in this world. Uh, the first characteristic is uh, the mind of Christ. When we take on the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ is sacrificial in how it lives. The mind of Christ is essentially sacrificial. The story of the cross is that, that Jesus came to earth, that he died on the cross to give us life, and from that death, we, there's resurrection, there's conquering of sin, there's conquering of death. Essentially, the mind of Christ is a sacrificial mind that brings life to other people. Philippians chapter 2, here's the first kind of uh, scripture I want to reflect on. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. This is in the NRSV. Hear these words and just kind of reflect on them. It says, Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So there's that idea of the mind of Christ. Let the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is a powerful passage. Philippians chapter 2, some say this might have been like an early hymn of the church. Maybe this was part of kind of the early creeds. They had this understanding that the gospel was that Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, the incarnation. He comes down as a human, and he empties himself to be one of us. And he subjects himself to death on the cross the sacrificial act that he knew would bring life to humanity, life to me, life to you. This act of the cross, the sacrificial act 
And it shapes the way that we live as followers of Jesus. If we have the mind of Christ, we are sacrificial in how we live to bring life to others. Donald Miller uh, wrote a book a long time ago now called Blue Like Jazz, where he tells the story of a Navy SEAL. And he, as he tells the story, he says he heard it one time, and he's not sure if it's true, but it's a great story, so he tells it. And he talks about how this story kind of represents this idea of, of, of the gospel, that God came down, uh, the mind of Christ. Uh, this Navy SEAL uh, is on this mission with his team, and they go into one of the dark places of the world, and uh, there are these hostages. It's a hostage situation that they go to try to free these hostages, and they, they get into this kind of dark place um, with, with terrorists, or, or I'm not sure what it was, but they go in the, to rescue these hostages, and as the Navy SEALs get in, and they come into contact with these hostages, they're kind of like held in this room, and it's a dark room, and they're like, we're here to save you. Uh, come on, come on out. We're, we're here to save you. We're, we're the SEAL, we're the Navy SEALs, we're here to save you, and the hostages won't move. In fact, they're, they're like scared of the Navy SEALs. They're scared of their rescuers. And what the Navy SEAL, he like can't figure out, he's like, why won't you guys come? Why won't you get up? And he starts to realize he has no idea how, what has happened to these hostages and where their mind is at and how healthy their mind is. And he starts to realize that these hostages have probably had all sorts of mind games played with them. They've probably been brainwashed. They probably have all sorts of fear. They probably don't know what to believe. And the Navy SEAL decides to get down on their level. And he lays down on the floor. And he gets face to face with the hostage. And he says, I'm here to rescue you. You can trust me. You can come with me. And then all of a sudden, something clicks inside the hostage's head. Where the hostage realizes, it, you know, our captives would, would do all sorts of these mind games with us. But they would never get down on our level face to face as personal as this. And so the hostage trusts the seal, and he gets up, and the other hostages get up, and the story ends with him on the aircraft carrier, safe. And Donald Miller's like, I think the story is true. Uh, you know, I, you've maybe heard different renditions of it, but what's amazing is that it communicates kind of like the mind of Christ, that Jesus empties himself of his position in heaven, and he comes down, and he gets on our level, and he, he gets face-to-face with us out of humility, out of sacrificial living, and says... I'm here to rescue you. God's people who have the mind of Christ are sacrificial in their nature. We're lowly, humble, to get down on level with other people to bring life. The second thing is the mind of Christ is wholesome in how it thinks. So it's sacrificial in how it lives, and then one who has the mind of Christ is wholesome in how they think. And I think this is important uh, not only because uh, we, we, just, we live in a world of darkness and brokenness and outrage and confusion, um, but there's something about the mind of Christ that is shaped by the holiness of God. It's set apart, it's sacred, it's sanctified, which shapes how we think. Our mind is wholesome. There's this interesting uh, uh, letter written uh, to a young pastor, and uh, and it kind of talks about, uh, I, I think, having a wholesome mind. And I, and I think it's another liturgy for us. And so if we read Philippians chapter 2, that could be something you read this week and reflect on. Here's another passage that talks about having a wholesome mind. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We'll start in verse 3. It says these words, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest 
and controversies and quarrels and words that result in envy and strife and malicious talk and evil suspicions and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness means is a means to financial gain. There's a lot going on in this passage. He goes on to say, But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So Paul's talking about where the mind goes, the unwholesome mind, where you get involved in all sorts of controversies, envy, strife, fighting. Have you had any arguments lately? Have you had any things that you just get outraged at and then you're just blurting and it's just like you're, you're verbally just, you know, venting? Uh, but, but you're getting caught up in all sorts of these different controversies. I feel like we're living in a culture right now that's just mad. I think it's because it's 118 outside. It hasn't rained in like 100 days. Uh, but I think it's also hard because we're living in such an age of uncertainty where we don't even know how to plan ahead. I know my wife and I are trying to figure out um, what's going on with our kids in school. We're trying to figure out what's going on with the church. Uh, Major League Baseball might be shutting down again. I mean, when you have a multi-billion dollar industry, they don't even know what's happening next month. We live with all of this anxiety, and it's just like, like lashing out at each other, that the anxiety is coming out in different ways that we're venting. And there's all sorts of unwholesome talk that comes, all sorts of rage, all sorts of anger, all sorts of evil suspicions of other people's motives. And as Paul is talking about having this wholesome mind, having a mind that is pursuing righteousness and godliness and faith and love that de-escalates situations that believes the best in others. The mind of Christ is wholesome. The followers of Jesus, especially in this age of uncertainty, to have a wholesome mind in how we think. The third, third characteristic, the mind of Christ is encouraging in how it speaks. So it's sacrificial in how it lives and acts. Uh, it's wholesome in how it thinks, and it's encouraging in how it speaks. Here's a, the, third, the third passage that you could use as kind of reflection of prayer this week is in Ephesians chapter 20, verse 32. It says, That, however, is not the way of life you've learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him accord, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were ta- taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, goes back to your mind, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Then verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit, it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, Facebook posts, Twitter, 
slander, along with every form of malice, every form of malice. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as Christ God forgave you. The mind of Christ is encouraging in how it speaks to others. It speaks life into situations of suffering and death. The mind of Christ gives life as it speaks. Uh, we have a men's group. We have a couple different men's groups. One of them uh, is meeting on Zoom, um, which this is the world that we live in. We have Zooms, uh, Zoom meetings. I'm sure you're all Zoomed out. Um, as we head towards the fall, we're probably going to be you know, restarting a lot of our community groups. Some of those are going to be through Zooms. I kind of like it because I can hang out on my back patio in my swim trunks and um, just chill and be on Zoom. But this group, we're going through Philippians. And what's amazing about the, the book of Philippians is uh, Paul is in prison as he's writing. He's in like these terrible circumstances, uh, circumstances of great uncertainty. He's suffering. Um, we think that he's sick um, as he's writing. And yet he's incredibly joyful in the midst of those circumstances. And so like no matter what he's going through, we have, he has this perspective um, that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that this is all heading somewhere, that any situation can be redeemable. And so there's this incredible joyfulness and gratitude that comes from Paul's writing that we find. And as we were kind of going through this in the men's group, uh, one of the things that we were talking about was how negative we all are with, with our, our conversations, with our family, with our friendships, with, you know, it, it's just like, it's so much, it's so easy to just speak negatively about what's happening in this world. And so I think we had like this challenge. Let's try to go 24 hours um, without being negative. And uh, that meeting was Thursday night. By Saturday, I think Phil Compton had sent a text, and he goes, okay, new challenge. Let's just try to go three hours without being negative because this is impossible. And I, within an hour, had texted back to the group, and I'm like, I, I need to start over. Like, <laughs> I can't even go an hour because uh, it's so easy to just, instead of speaking life and encouragement, to just attack um, and, and to have uh, unwholesome talk coming from our mouth. And the mind of Christ, though, the mind of Christ in the midst of whatever circumstances is able to speak life and wisdom uh, into situations of death and suffering. And then the third thing is that the mind, or the fourth thing, the mind of Christ is redemptive in how it sees others, how it sees people. It's redemptive in how it sees uh, situations and circumstances, that God is at work. I love that song that we sang uh, the last song where even when I don't, what is it, even when I don't see you, I know that you're working, that God is at work in the midst of everything else that we're going on and that redemptive, uh, we have this redemptive view of what's happening. Uh, my, I have a pastor friend named Michael Faye, some of you know him. Um, we're always like sharing books that we've read or like some theological thought. And he sent me a text the other day and he's like, you need to watch this show called The Chosen. It's the story of Jesus. It was kind of like the self-published uh, mo movie or, or show about the life of Jesus. And the first thing I, I heard when he said that, I was like, oh, no, another cheesy, like, Jesus movie, right? Like, Jesus is probably stoic. It's probably, uh, you know, this really kind of strange telling that, that just seems cheesy. And, like, I don't and, and Mike, who has, like, film background, was like, no, this is, like, done really well. You need to watch it. It's called Cho The Chosen. And he's like, I watch it in watch it with my kids, and every single episode, he's like, I just weep. Like, I just watch it, and, and the way that they portray Jesus and the way that he relationally connects, he's like, I just weep. And I was like, he's not very, you know, emotional. I'm an emotional guy, but he's not. And so I'm like, man, this must be really good. So I watched an episode. He sent me this clip, 
And it was the story of Jesus with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And I'm watching this clip. It's on YouTube. I'm like, the first thing I notice is that Jesus actually has a, a, like a, a Middle Eastern accent. So I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that, they, they've got that right, right? And, and then Jesus is actually, he's funny. There's humor. He's warm. He has emotion. He's not just like the stoic robot. And I'm like, oh, they actually did a good job with Jesus. And then the conversation starts with the woman at the well who's a Samaritan. And the conversation that goes back and forth with Jesus and this woman is just, it's just great dialogue. And it's, and it's like what I would have imagined the story in John chapter 4 being like. And I found myself in the midst of kind of listening to her um, tell her story, actually Jesus tell her story for her and the brokenness that she's experienced in her life. And if you remember that story in John chapter 4, she's at the well because no one else wants to be around her. She has this bad reputation. We find out that she's been married five different times. And Jesus speaks to her and they have this conversation. And he finally says, what's happening with me being here, with me being the Messiah? When, in in this, this whole conversation about like worship, worshiping in spirit and truth, Here's the thing is it doesn't matter anymore what you've done or where you've been when you've met me. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, whatever that reputation is, whatever your past is, whatever you're in the midst of right now, there is redemption here. And I was like watching that and I I was tearing up. It was done so well. And, And you have... Her saying uh, in John chapter 4, verse 28, uh, after this conversation, we know in the text she, she leaves Jesus and she goes back into her town and she says, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Everything she ever did was all the stuff that she was ashamed of. And yet whatever had happened in this conversation with Jesus, she's no longer ashamed of her past. Something's been redeemed in her life. The mind of Christ sees people as Jesus would see people. The mind of Christ would see situations as Jesus would see situations. There's a redemptive energy to every conversation that we have when we have the mind of Christ. Because Jesus is restoring and reconciling uh, this world. And as followers of Jesus, as we take on this mind of Christ, this redemptive energy uh, flows through us in our relationships, how we interact with others in this world. We see the world through this redemptive lens. Having the mind of Christ, having this spiritual discernment means we travel through this world much differently than how everyone else is traveling. We're sacrificial, we're wholesome, we're encouraging. We have this redemptive energy to have the mind of Christ. Spiritual discernment starts here, and our world needs it desperately. I want to end with uh, just the words of this hymn that was written by Eliza Hewitt, who was a teacher and wanted to teach her her students about uh, Jesus, wanted to teach them theology, and so wrote a bunch of these kind of like almost like nursery hymns that actually became really popular. Uh, but this, this is a hymn that she writes that I think is another good prayer for us as we close today. It says this, More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me.
the mind of Christ, spiritual discernment, the ability of the soul to perceive God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, gospel-fashioned, people-helping ways to live in this world. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your word, your truth, the story that we're a part of, this kingdom that is not of this world, that is crashing into this world. We see glimpses of it here and now. We're reminded, Lord, that there is wisdom of the world and of the rulers of the world, and then there is the spiritual wisdom that you teach your people to live with. We want to be formed into the likeness of you. We want to have your mind, Lord. Allow us to be sacrificial in how we live, to be wholesome in how we think, to be encouraging in how we speak, and to be redemptive in how we see people and situations. May we have your mind as we move into the world from this space. We love you and your sons and we pray.